And hi there, this is Jim Eskimen. This is the Jim Eskimen Podcast. Uh, me and me alone. Uh, I don't have anyone to interview today. Not even myself. I'm not going to interview myself today. But uh, it's a rainy day in Los Angeles, which is, gives cause for celebration around these parts and gives one the uh, illusion that there is such a thing as winter. And winter brings on the idea and the thought and the sensation that maybe it's kind of like Minnesota and we're sort of like... Uh, in a Garrison Keeler sort of mood. That's what sometimes happens when you listen to NPR, as I do. Listen to Prairie Home Companion, listen to the dulcet tones and the absolutely irresistible baritone of Garrison Keeler. Garrison Keeler's a phenomenon. He's been broadcasting for so long and presenting this interesting blend of Americana and amusement and wry wit and uh, social commentary and various other things and a lot of really terrific uh, bluegrass music and uh, homespun humor. And uh, I sometimes find myself absolutely absolutely, uh, stuck inside a kind of a Garrison Keillor prism. It's been a quiet day here in Tarzana. The uh, neighbors across the street seem to be fine. No news is good news. We live on a cul-de-sac where many of the neighbors I've known since I was five years old, and they are were in their 40s at the time, so that places them on the sunny side of 90, some of them, and uh, have occasionally had uh, reason to save their lives by dint of just being around in the afternoon when their cries for help would have, that would have gone unheard Instead, uh, didn't fall on deaf ears at all, but uh, roused me from whatever I was doing outside of the booth. And I ran outside and peered over the fence to see, in one case, uh, Mr. Jenkins crawling around on all fours, his head bleeding in the back, screaming, screaming out his wife's name. She couldn't hear him. I jumped the fence. I ran down and made sure he was okay. And then I went inside to try to find her. Joyce, where's Joyce? The peals of Joyce, Joyce had roused me from whatever I was doing in the office, and there she was. She was in the house. Joyce couldn't hear her own husband screaming her name because she was too busy taking a nap or something. She woke up, saw me in the entryway, said, Don, you look so young. Of course, my name isn't Don. Don's her husband's name. She imagined we had the same sort of hairline, so she assumed that perhaps in silhouette I looked like her husband. Another time, I looked over the fence, and there was... Mrs. Jenkins herself, she was supine on the ground. I thought the worst. I jumped the fence again. I had Tamara call 911, but she was all right. She'd just fallen over. Couldn't get up very easily, but with my help, she got up. Yet another time, Mr. Gaspar across the street. I hope I'm not telling tales out of school, but uh, I was home in the afternoon, unusual. I was taking in the garbage cans, and there I looked. I heard uh, Mr. Gaspar was also... Must be well into his 80s and doesn't really cut his hair anymore. He's, he's, he's up on his roof. There's a ladder there. And he's saying, Jim, Jim, would you would you give me a hand? And I went over and said, what, what, what are you up to, Steve? And he said, well, I got up here on the roof and I can't, can't get down. Been up here for a little while. It was about 100 degrees that particular day. Not like today at all. It was very, very hot and difficult and taxing sort of day for anybody, even of a younger constitution. He'd gotten himself up on the roof to check out a fan that blows into his attic, and uh, he'd worn his short pants and 
so he couldn't get down because he couldn't put his knees on the hot roof to lower himself down on the ladder. So he was up like a fish on a frying pan, just waiting for the heat to overcome him. His own wife, too, wouldn't have heard his cries, and even if she had, she would have misinterpreted it. She's not as aware as she used to be, and she never was all that aware to begin with, as I recall from my childhood. So it was up to me to help him down. I, I let his wife know that I was going to help her husband. She smiled at me blankly as I took a towel and went up on the roof and spread it out for his, his knees to not have to come in contact with the very, very hot, egg-fryingly hot tar paper on top of his roof, and I, I helped him down. Sweet side note on that, I... A couple of weeks down the line, I arrived home. There was a drawing that was hanging from my doorknob in the front uh, front door. It was a child's drawing, crayon, pencil, of a, a man on a roof and a tree and a, a sort of something that looked like the house across the street. And it said, thank you. Thank you for saving our grandfather. And there were two drawings by two little children, grandchildren of my neighbor who commemorated the moment by making a little card for me to thank me for taking their father, almost like a, an old lady would thank a fireman for bringing a cat out of a tree. And that's what I did. So it's funny how life imitates art sometimes. I, I didn't have to think twice about coming up with the, the, the Lake Wobegon side of, of my life here in Tarzana. It's Still, when you get down to it, despite all the technical gimmigahoojits and the digital stuff, there's still a lot of just human happenings around here and uh, wildlife happenings. My dog chase, chasing after squirrels and gophers. And uh, I came home today, and there was a tree felled uh, across some of my bushes, a small tree, like a little branch maybe of a eucalyptus, but, you know, sizable. And there was a squirrel sitting atop it, and I said to the squirrel, you put that back up there. And he looked at me just as blankly as Mrs. Gaspar. Anyway, uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Here's, uh, here's a little something I thought you might enjoy. This is a compilation uh, that I thought I put together. You know, those of you that are interested in, in me as a voice uh, talent, uh, which I assume some of you are, this is just a selection of some of the samples of, uh, of auditions that I did. I, didn't, I don't think I booked any of them, but it's kind of fun to listen to this collection. I'm going to put an end to all people because the earth is filled with violence because of them. I have a question that simply could not wait, sir. Do you have what it takes to survive the night? You know those people who say they had to walk four miles to school uphill in the snow? I've been watching the galaxy for 10,000 years. Gee, thanks, but actually, I'm clumsy. He is brainy. But just in proportion, as this process has acted on an enormous scale, so must the number of intermediate varieties be truly enormous. Get out of the way! King of the jungle coming through! Well, well, look at that. An example of canine domesticus. Anyways, we was wondering if yous wanted to join us for some good old cat stuff. You know, like uh, playing with giant balls of yarn. When I say move, you move. When I say jump, you jump. The experience made a deep and lasting impression on me. Something deeply hidden had to be behind things. So there you go. There's a few of the voices that are in my head. I have voices in my head. A lot of people do. Uh, I, you know, in my case, I put them there, so I'm not too worried. And when I get a voice in my head that I don't recognize, I just, uh, I just press delete, which is on the back of my neck. 
Here's something fun. Okay, and welcome back to Lifestyles. I'm Tim Johnson. With us here in the studio is Drexel Flinger. Drexel is the uh, Southeast uh, chairperson, chairhead of the CWRC, the Cold War Reenactment Club. And uh, great to have you here. And it's it's a pleasure to be able to, to speak to you. Uh, Drexel, fascinating. We all know about Revolutionary uh, War reenactment clubs and uh, the, this, the battles that they stage and the Civil War. But the Cold War reenactment club, uh, I can't imagine. Uh, maybe it's a far more exciting than, than I think it might be. I think it's very exciting. And the people that are involved in it, uh, I think, are very tickled by it. Obviously, we have a huge growing membership. And uh, the Cold War was ripe for, uh, for reenactment, uh, well, ever since it really kind of heated up. Uh, but at this point, we have now, oh, I don't know, in the United States, of, uh, I don't know, maybe 60,000 people no right kidding. now that are... And active the beauty members. of active, very active, and the beauty of Cold War reenactment is that you can, you don't need to pick a specific time uh, or even a location. Uh, everyone can be dispersed. They can have very little contact. That's that's one of the characteristics of the Cold War is that it was very uh, isolated. Everyone was very uh, uh, off in their own area, and you never knew really if somebody was listening or watching your movements. Right. And and so that's what that's what people are involved with right 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 at this moment. Well, I'm looking at your brochure here, which uh, features a lot of pictures of uh, empty boardrooms with mm-hmm. uh, chairs around uh, large tables, and I suppose. Uh, some of the reenactment is is done in in this boardroom. Well, uh, believe it or not, uh, a little bit is done in the boardroom, but very fleetingly. Most of the reenactment is is done of of the time period. So you would walk down the hallway outside that boardroom. Uh, for instance, a reenactor ah. might uh, you know d- dress as if it was raining or snowing, uh, no matter where he was. Uh, walk down the hallway, pause, and listen at the keyhole or glance in over the transom. Uh, or open the door just to crack and listen, and then would move on very quickly. And that would be his reenactment of a very surreptitious kind of uh, spying activity that would have happened during the Cold War. Now, how do you know uh, who's reenacting and uh, who's not? Well, that's a very good question. You often don't know, and that's part of the beauty of it. You know, in the Civil War reenactors, everybody camps together. There's a camaraderie. Uh, You know, you share a tent. You know, you eat hardtack. You know, mm-hmm. and I did this for years and years, and it was, it was very satisfying. I used to play the the uh, the fife and march and uh, go in the woods, and and then I realized, you know, there's something closer to present time that's even even richer, and that is the Cold War. So, of course, you don't always know if the person you're talking to. Maybe you think you're passing along a piece of information to someone who was a Cold War reenactor like you. It may not be. It may be the guy that's come to read the meter. Mm. You don't know, and you won't know. It will never be revealed. I see. Is there a, a time limit on the reenactment? N- not really. Uh, it, it doesn't serve to have a time limit. Uh, it's not that sort of game. You could compare it, uh, well, it's it's the difference really between a game of darts and a game of cricket. Uh, you know, this ah, kind of reenactment right. goes on and on for days and days and, and perhaps indefinitely. The only, uh, obviously, when a person, when a reenactor has passed away, uh, then the, the time has run out. Well, that leads me to the question. Uh, if, if a reenactor uh, does pass away, how do you know that he has passed away? They don't continue to pay the, uh, the uh, membership. 
Well, uh, I know that in your brochure, wardrobe is featured. Uh, there is a, a sort of costume. It just seems to be a bunch of gray suits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dower. Uh, these are all very easy to obtain, but they have to be obviously tailored. Uh, they have to. Sometimes they're not aged enough. Uh, sometimes they don't smell enough of mothballs. Uh, we like them to be, uh, if we can, tobacco stained. And uh, I, often, what people will do is just pick up an old suit that they haven't worn for a long time in the back of the closet, let it go out in the weather for a few days, uh, stick a couple mothballs in the pockets, and then have at it. Right. And uh, it says here in the questionnaire that you give out to uh, would-be members of the club. How well are you with foreign accents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a foreign accent is a real plus. And, and if you do happen. To to come into face-to-face contact, or maybe uh, you're talking on the phone and you want to uh, uh, participate and, and engage with whoever is listening in on your phone calls. Right. And, and now, that's, that is encouraged. And now uh, you go for uh, verisimilitude, mm-hmm. I should say. Mm-hmm. You don't allow any cell phone calls. No cell phone. No, it has to be hard line. Uh, and and those, those are difficult to arrange. And, and our company, of course, uh, as we uh, branch out and we offer more services to our members, uh, we, we offer a certain landline service that is really only available to us because who, who else would use it? Right, right. Uh, at this point. Uh, Drexel, if it's all right with you, mm-hmm. uh, I know that you have taken on both uh, sides in the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you have been uh, a Russian. Could we hear some of your Russian accent? Oh, uh, well, yes, I, I had the... Uh, a great pleasure reenacting a uh, Cold War espionage uh, agent named uh, could, Ivanov Klydomnevsky. Could you give an example of that phone call? Sure, sure. I would, uh, for example, uh, let's say I would make a call to get some, to order some lunch. Uh, and, and all the while, I realize that I'm, I'm spreading far more information than just a, a lunch order. And I think you'll be able to tell it in the way that I, I ordered the lunch. Right. Uh, I'll translate it. A word like a turkey club sandwich. With back potato and curls law. I think you'll find that's, a, that's a, what I've done is I put Great. a little bit of a Minsk accent in there. And it's really marvelous. Well, I'm working. It's marvelous. It's, you always work on these things. All right. Now the counterpart to that mm-hmm. call would say then. Yeah. That would be answered with a fellow saying, I will have the fellow bring it right up. Ah. And that's just my own American right. accent. Uh, there's a lot of a lot subterfuge. of subtext, a lot of subtext behind that. What that, uh, what I was basically saying, and what the two characters would have been passing along, is a very intricate information about a satellite, uh, the kind of uh, data that a satellite has collected on the American consulate. Okay, mm. and that which will be passed back and forth via the briefcase method. We, I, I don't go into detail, but right. the fellow would have known what the briefcase method was. That's all contained in that simple little interchange. Wow, mm. fantastic! That's the Cold War. That's what makes the Cold War so interesting to people, and why it's it's so much more fun and engaging uh, intellectually than Civil War reenactment. Uh, all these things. Right. Uh, you 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 might be able to get a little more sunshine. But you're, in the end of the day, you're going to have a lot more fun with the Cold War. Well, I'm excited about it. I want to uh, sign up myself. Drexel Flinger, thank you so much for being here. And uh, I know that you're headed out to do a phone call from a payphone on the street mm-hmm. after this interview. It's at one of the rare uh, payphones I noticed on the way into the studio, so I want to take full advantage of it. I hope to pass some information about a deadly secret submarine. Thank you, Drexel Flinger. Well, it's the start of a new year. There's a lot of excitement uh, already. You know, it seems like things are perking up a little bit. I like the fact that gasoline is down to like two forty-seven a gallon. That's like a buck, a buck cheaper than it was last year. I think. I think it was a. I think it was three forty-seven or three fifty sometimes. 
even more expensive than the really tony, pricey gas stations. I don't know. Some of these gas stations, they feel like they can charge you 45 cents more per gallon because they're near the freeway. I don't know. Crazy. Uh, but anyway, that's exciting. And I, I have a new commercial running. You might have seen where I say a s- pretty much one word, nine, over and over again. That's for H&R Block. Uh, that was a nice opportunity that came to me from my good friend Randy Crawman, terrific director who does a lot of work uh, all over the place for everybody. And we've done a lot of things together. Anyway, I hope to have some news about the impression, guys. I'm going to stop mentioning it because I have no news. But uh, eventually I'll have news, and and then you'll hear it. Um, The Jim Impression Show, I'm rewriting, uh, reworking that again. And uh, I don't know, a lot of fun things happening, a lot of interesting things this year. I can guarantee it. So I look forward to seeing you around, and I hope that you have a great time. Let me know. You know, I've got... uh, all kinds of room on my comments page uh, or, or on Twitter or anywhere you want. If you want to hear something, if you would have a request, uh, I'd love to have a little back and forth with you. Or you can just listen to the inside of my head, and that's fine too. In any case, have a good one. Thanks to Jeff Levin, as always, for the music. Thanks to Tate Rupert for uh, improvising with me, and I will talk to you all very, very soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>